Streetcar is one of those classic plays, like many of Shakespeare's plays, that are so covered with the schmutz and patina of previous productions and audience expectation that it's hard to it's hard to watch Streetcar afresh, much less produce it afresh. So it's this production sounds incredibly exciting to me and i'm so glad that the reduced shakespeare company has an entertainment correspondent there in london to tell us how it went (laughs) good morning good afternoon good evening whatever it is wherever you are i'm austin titchener one third of the reduced shakespeare company and you're listening to this week's reduced shakespeare company podcast number 842 reviewing london's streetcar Current production of Tennessee Williams' A Streetcar Named Desire at the Almeida Theater in London is getting rave reviews, so I was thrilled that friend of the pod Elizabeth Dennehy is there in London right now with her husband James Lancaster, and they saw Streetcar last week. The production, directed by Rebecca Frecknell, who also directed the still-running award-winning cabaret, stars Man of the Moment Paul Mescal, who James and Elizabeth know slightly, as Stanley, and Patsy Farron as Blanche. And I was thrilled to talk to Elizabeth again about how a new production of a classic play can totally change our understanding of it. Whenever you see Streetcar, the shadow of mostly the film version is is casting a, a very wide shadow over it. So here's two things that made this extraordinary. Very young cast. I mean, Paul Mescal is 25. And we talked to him afterwards. He's never seen a production of it. I don't know if he's ever seen the movie. We didn't get that far. But I would think if he knew he was playing this part, he would probably want to avoid it. Yeah. And based on what I saw, I have a feeling he didn't watch it, the film. So you have a very young cast. And second of all, the Blanche learned the part in five days. Mm. So when we we talked to her after the show and we went, we, you know, James, James does not stay after and, and corner actors. He wants to get to the pub and get out of there. He's too, um, he's too, he said he had to talk to her. Patsy Farron is her name. Her performance was just extraordinary. We felt like we were seeing and hearing the play for the very first time. So when we talked to her and she said, if you're learning a part, it's a massive part. She has huge scenes. She's never off stage and massive monologues, big, big speeches. So when we talked to her and she said, all she could do was learn it. Yeah. So she, she's not able to embroider on it. All that you had are Tennessee Williams words. And it was like hearing it for the very first time. Well, and, and and it seems like so many of the productions I've seen have focused on Blanche as as Tennessee Williams's alter ego. So these faded Southern bells become these playwright stand-ins, and and it's they skew the they skew the story in a way that that is not interesting to me. And this production, according to the review, and it sounds like what you said, is that more about every person involved with the thing without the added burden of scenery and props and 
all, just yeah. the core actions of the play. Well, this Rebecca Frecknell, who is 37, the director, who has already won an Olivier Award for her direction of Cabaret, if, she, if, she, if, if the world has any justice in it, there will never, ever again be blackout change of scenery between scenes. Oh, my God. She, does, she has thrown that out, and I was so happy to see that, that um, both shows are in the round, and when props are needed, other people in the cast put a chair on the, put a bottle on the stage, put uh, whatever is needed. And the brilliance of having the MC not only MC what happens in the Kit Kat Club, but MC the whole world of the play is just absolutely genius. And the same thing in Streetcar, everybody in the cast encircles this round stage. And the eyes are on Blanche all the time so that the paranoia and the fish out of water and the stranger in a strange land. And she is just, it's, I'm thanking God for her. Thank, and it's so funny because I am not a world-class director. I'm 30 years older than her. But I remember the last time I directed, which was Twelfth Night in the high school. Um, and that was my first time directing since college. The guy playing Toby was like, where am I going to get these bottles from? And I couldn't justify bringing on tables and chairs just so he had something from which to get his bottles. So I said, we're just going to have them all over the place. So like reach behind the flat and grab a bottle. People coming in with bottles and he gets them somehow. Yeah. And... I felt like I was being kind of lazy and inattentive, but actually I was ahead of ahead of uh, the curve because it just didn't seem, it seemed ridiculous to stop a scene and bring in furniture. And that's what she does. So there, the show just goes on. There's no dimming the house lights. There's no fade to black. The both shows just seamlessly go on. And nobody and, cares about that stuff either because the, uh, there is... Theater is about now, right? Whenever Shakespeare uses the word now, he means to he means it to be emphasized because theater is what happens now. It's not what happened 30 years ago. It's not what happened, it shouldn't be what happened mm -hmm. off stage. And getting rid of all this extraneous nonsense really grounds what happens now. But but can I ask then, as much as I believe in the now and the immediacy of the stuff. How how do how do things like basic acting, things like given circumstances work in this if they're not playing the past? Do you know what I mean? They've got uh, intent, yes, yeah, but so do they have givens? I think she trusts the words because there's tons of exposition in Streetcar. So when Blanche says, you left, you were the one that left, we are able to use our brains and fill in the past. We actually, she trusts the words. But I was going to say, like, in Streetcar, there's a scene where Mitch and Blanche are going out for a date. The very next scene is after the date and it doesn't go so well. And you know what? They acted it. We knew that it was before the date work because they were happy and excited and it was the early part of the evening. There was a lighting change. They came, they didn't leave, but you could just tell, well, I haven't been very good company tonight. Actually, we are able to use our brains and say, okay, so this is after the date. Trusting the actors, trusting the words, what a concept.
and trusting the audience. <clears throat> and giving the audience the credit to be able to follow what's going on, especially with a play that has been seen so many times. And that was a really interesting experience because James and I were old. We were old people in the audience for Streetcar, which is not surprising. It sold out instantly because of Paul Mescal, who is hotter than hot. And, uh, you know, the guy of the moment right now, and hopefully a guy for generations to come, because he's really extraordinary. And I would love to know how many times people in that audience had seen Streetcar. Probably this was their introduction to the play. Right. So very refreshing, very um, inspiring. And to know that those old chestnuts don't have to be tossed out. What's interesting to me about it is that... I played Stella, actually. I played the part in 1995 at South Coast Rep. And I remember feeling that, oh, Blanche, get out of here and leave us alone. We're happy as Stella and, and Stanley. But now to see Stanley strike his pregnant wife in, in today's audience, today's society, that's a deal breaker. It's over. There's no coming back from that. And it was so shocking to me because I had to ask myself, I don't even remember that hit when I played Stella. Because everybody makes such a big deal about her coming back downstairs to him and their makeup sex. Right. And that's the event, the fulcrum of the play, where she goes back. But really, for this audience today, this modern audience... He's, he's, he's toast. He's canceled from that moment on. You cannot hit your wife, let alone your pregnant wife, and come back from that. So it got me thinking about where the audience's sympathy lies in that show. And, and do, I don't know if you, if you know this, but Marlon Brando was the original Stanley, and he was replaced by Anthony Quinn, who then took it on the road. Two totally different Stanleys. And when Marlon Brando did it originally, everybody fell in love with Stanley. Hmm. And then I think when Anthony Quinn did it, I remember learning this in drama school. Tennessee Williams felt, ah, this is the play I wrote. Yes, I was also in love with Marlon Brando, but this is the brute. Anthony Quinn is so, that got that really gruff machismo, like intimidating, whereas Marlon Brando... Uh, I think grabbed the audience's sympathy against Blanche. It kind of skewed the play. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like we're seeing the play the way Williams has originally intended it. I'm Jeff Sweet, the author of the new and expanded Something Wonderful Right Away, the story of Second City. And you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company's podcast.
Where can you RSC the RSC? Next month, we'll be performing the complete history of Comedy Abridged in Indiana, Pennsylvania, and Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Then in April, we'll perform the complete history of Comedy Abridged in Reston, Virginia on, appropriately enough, April Fool's Day and the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey on April 8th, then Basalt and Lone Tree, Colorado later that month. Check out the touring page on our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Twitter feed, at Reduced, for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Elizabeth Dennehy, who's telling us about Rebecca Frecknell's production of A Streetcar Named Desire at the Almeida Theater in London, starring Paul Mescal and Patsy Farron. I have a complicated relationship with Streetcar, as I do with most American classic plays, because I've been told they're great, and I don't buy it. Mm. I believe it, but I haven't experienced their greatness in a way that feels meaningful to me. It's, 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 their, their greatness is poisoned by the fact that I've been told they're great. And so now I've got my arms crossed and I'm, but it feels like, so I'm, I'm jealous of you getting to experience this production, which feels like it opens, it, 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 it really reveals the play's greatness in a way that is persuasive. And yes. I guess my, my question is, does it, it always felt like Streetcar is a bit of a tragedy of Blanche Dubois um, mm. rather than the redemption of Stanley Kowalski or whatever. What, what does it feel like now if you were had to define it? That's a really good question. James and I've been talking about this a lot and I've seen it a lot of times and I was in it. And I don't know if this explains it, if this is your experience, describes your experience. You have all this backstory that then slowly unfolds. The losing Belle Rive, which is like, yeah, whatever. I can't really relate to that. And then she has this long story about the boy, the gray boy and what happens to Alan. And every single time I've ever seen this, I'm like, okay, so your husband was gay? It seems anticlimactic. And then, of course, he, spoiler alert, ends his life in a very tragic way. And in this production, for the first time, I got the feeling this is not a tragedy that is happening to Blanche. It's a tragedy what's happened to Alan. Mm. And it didn't feel anticlimactic. And she is heartbroken over the fact that she caused this boy's death. And it's the first time I've ever felt Blanche is not making this about me, 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 poor me, poor me, what I had to live through, but the tragedy of this poor boy. Yeah. And in that way, I feel like it's not Tennessee Williams speaking through this female character. It is for once something that a woman went through and survived and the tragedy is what she did to him, not what his death, death did to her. And so it's not um, it's not um, self-involved, if, if that makes sense. And yeah. so we are seeing a Blanche for the first time who actually really does care so much about other people. She cares about Mitch. She's compassionate. She's very sweet. She's really nice. She wants everybody to be happy. And it, and. And it feels, therefore, more tragic. That's really interesting, and it and it points to a thing like we've been talking about. Well, they're just they're stripping away all the stage directions and the nonsense and the history of other productions, and they're going right to the text. And yet, one can interpret the text in more than one way. And it seems there 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 is sympathy towards the not the self-involved Blanche, but in kind of in fact the 
the self-aware Blanche, the self-aware of what she's done. So, yeah, exactly. One of the things that I loved about David Benedict's review was he said, when you strip away the artifice and the presentment of New Orleans, sweaty, hot heat and acting with fanning yourself with a handkerchief and you take all that away and all you have is the intent. We see these characters and these relationships and playing the given circumstances and playing the active verbs what do I need from this person? What can I get from this person? What are the hurdles I must overcome? And it's, I think if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, thank God. Now, now this is a play not about actors showing us how well they are able to mimic heat. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and the artifice is stripped away and there's no presentment at all. And it's just the, the relationship between Mitch and Stanley and Mitch and Blanche is so crystal clear. And, and the intent and what they're trying to achieve is so clear. And it's just, so it's really, it's lovely. And also you have this problem. And I think I've seen modern uh, productions of Streetcar where they try to update it and make it, but you can't do that because how do you explain sending a wire to Shet Huntley and Western Union? It has to be in its time. So by, by modernizing it, you don't solve the problems, but having it be timeless rather than strictly adhering to a specific period right. uh, is very welcome. So the, the costumes were whatever they were, you know, yeah. A hodgepodge of explaining who the characters were in colorful ways without strictly adhering to, you know, uh, a, a time period and taking away all those rules. Here's the thing. And I think you and I agree about this. Everybody gets so imprisoned by the suspension of disbelief. The lights go down, the lights come up, and now you're in 1947 New Orleans. And what Rebecca Frecknell, I think is what she's doing with Cabaret too, is saying, we all know we're in a theater. We all know we're in a theater. We don't take a pill and pretend like, oh, there we are. It's not immersive in that way. We all know we're in a theater. We've got drinks ordered and waiting for us in the bar for intermission. But now you're going to see a story and you're going to see actors who are very good, very involved, tell a story. And you don't have to forget that you're not in a theater. I'm going to give you the credit to be able to follow the story, pay attention, learn and see something for, like as if for the very first time. And so she it's a welcome tonic, very refreshing to see her work. Uh, I can't see, wait to see what she gets to do next. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. For more information about Rebecca Frecknell's production of A Streetcar Named Desire at the Almeida Theater, go to almeida.co.uk. Then send us your insight into the Napoleonic Code via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com or visit my website, theshakespeareans.com. You can also follow Elizabeth on Twitter at Dennehy Eliza. Thanks, as always, to faded Southern Bell Matthew Croak, web services by Ginger Power Limited, music by John Weber and Garage Band, our random fan shout-out this week goes to Ruddy Jameson. No reason, it's just random. 
Special thanks to Jeffrey Sweet, the author of the seminal oral history of the Second City and the Compass Players, Something Wonderful Right Away. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe, get your boosters, and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 842-2526 of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. That was the other thing I want I, I wanted to say to you, is you would love this streetcar. It, they mind every bit of humor. It is so, so funny. The, the humor is just they don't they don't gloss over it. Blanche is hilarious. She's really, really funny. You know, when she says, um, voulez-vous coucher avec moi ce soir? Like just they really um and I think it's so smart anytime a director does that, especially in a tragic play, you've you, it's a long three hours if you don't pull out all the humor and there and the the, the the him taking her trunk apart and the fox pieces and it was very, very funny. A fast and funny streetcar. That just the way I like it. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. So much less. So much less. So much less. So much less.